hello and get ready. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve Castle of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny for those who are willing to open their hearts to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to radically display the Father's love for you. You are part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. So what was next? We've, we've turned this into something historical. It was meant to be something personal. So what was next? The Son of God. The Savior. The innocent. Was killed. The author of life. Died. In recounting this, Peter, in Acts chapter 2, says, Men of Israel, people of America, people of Beloved, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders, signs that God did through him in your midst. There are people in this room. Most of the people in this room have either experienced or seen the miraculous. Is it just for show? A man attested, approved to you with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God way before you were born. The scriptures say he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Now consider momentarily if you were the all-powerful creator. And you knew that the pinnacle of your creation... the very focal point of your affection and your love would be the very same creation that would cause the death of one-third of the Godhead. 
would you still give them an opportunity to experience your love? The truth is, no. The truth is no. See, we live our lives based upon the avoidance of pain. Especially emotional, internal pain. We do everything we can to avoid anything that might be just a little bit outside of our comfort zones because we will not, on purpose, position ourselves for pain. No matter what the cost and no matter what the benefit to the people around us. But God. But God. Knowing for thousands of years the personal, excruciating anguish that he himself would suffer was still more than willing to breathe the breath of life into you and I for just one opportunity at experiencing our love and giving to us His love. This Jesus delivered up according to the predetermined definite plan and the foreknowledge of God you crucified. You crucified. I know you read this and you think it's Peter talking to those jerks gathered before him. That had to be a part of the mob. That crucified him, but your revelation lacks intimacy because he was talking to Jews who had nothing physically to do with the crucifixion of Jesus, who died at the hands of the Romans. So how dare him implicate these innocent men standing before him? Or maybe not so innocent. Maybe you find yourself a pretty good person in here today. You're not as bad as some. Not as good as others. But you would never kill the Son of God. So was Peter just talking to those gathered before him? Or was all of mankind guilty of the death of the perfect, loving, righteous Son of God? You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death. 
interesting terminology because most people think death instantaneous. And once it's done, it's done. But yeah, there seems to be an allusion to the fact that Jesus was in pain in death. Isn't everything stopped the moment you draw your last breath? Isn't that it? Game over? Because it was not possible for him to be held by it. It what? Why is the Bible personifying death? For David said concerning him, this is out of Psalm chapter 16, I saw the Lord always before me. This is prophetic words of our Savior. For He is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you, Jesus says, from the pains of death, these are the words that He uttered in hell. For you, will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. Jesus in hell, in the pain of death, being held by death, still hoped in His Father's love and His promises. But that did not relieve His pain. In a way, those of you in here that know some of the promises of God, that even might know the true authentic nature of God, just knowing these things do not immediately alleviate all of your pain. But it gives you something powerful. It gives you hope that you will have victory over what you're facing. For Jesus, in this moment, the pain did not cease. And the radical part was, that was your pain. He did nothing wrong. He deserved heaven. And He got hell. And I deserve hell. And I get the love of God. And somehow, In the mercy of God, that is just and right. And we think we know what people around us deserve. And we think we know what is just. And we think we know what is right. In Colossians chapter 2, in the Passion Translation, we start in verse 8. Beware that no one distracts you. (laughs) Never a truer statement could be prophesied in 2021. The information generation that can be so easily distracted by one slight vibration of an electronic device. 
Beware. That's a challenging biblical word. God said, beware. (laughs) That no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness. Not from Christ. And, And I get it all over the nation today, there are people that are in church that probably have not been in church in 2021. Because statistically, this is when folks show up. I get that. But the beware wasn't that you'd be taken away from Christ completely. The beware was don't be taken away from the fullness of the experience of Christ. Why? Because it's only the fullness of Christ that is going to give you the victory. Over this world. As a, as a minister, I obviously have tons of people that reach out to me, especially in desperate, painful places. And I cannot tell you how often my heart, overwhelmed with empathy, compassion, and grief for someone who has self-traumatized their own life. I will tell you this, and please hear me. Please take this nugget home. The absolute worst thing you could do is be in the middle. A little God, a little world. It's the worst thing you could ever possibly do. I honestly hand to God. I would honestly have you serve Satan with all of your heart than be in the middle. Because at least when you're serving Satan, your heart is pure. But a mingled heart is torture. And many of you in this room know exactly what I'm talking about. You have no idea where your allegiance falls. You have no idea which temptation is going to take you out. Which pressure is going to push you over the edge. Which problem that the enemy presents you is going to be your last problem. You have no hope of actual victory in every situation. And so you have fear, anxiety, stress, believing that there's going to be that thing that's going to take you out telling you it would be way safer to just live in hell and know that you're defeated than have your heart crucified daily by your hope being deferred. Because the Scriptures say hope deferred makes the heart sick. We've had tons of folks quit Beloved Church because I am... Not that. Not that. That's not why folks quit. They don't say, hey, Pastor, you're awesome. I'm out of here. They say, you're radical. You're, you're over the top. You, you want too much. You, you think like everybody needs to be all in. You, you, you just think like everybody should live all the time in the kingdom and, and be spiritual all the time. And, and, and I know what they're saying is like, hey, Stupid preacher dude, like other people actually have to do life. I know if Jesus only knew. 
that you had a life to live outside of Him. If He only knew, maybe He would empower you for that life. But since He doesn't know, He only has one life to empower you in. That's His life. Where you don't have to be a slave to to the grind. To the Monday through Friday, just zombie, wake up, muscle through, clock in, force yourself through doing something you don't want to do for people that you don't want to do it for, for not enough money, so you could finally get home and sit in front of the TV that's going to take your heart and shred it into garbage so you can finally pass out when you've had enough and wake up tomorrow, wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, and hopefully you can push that sucker through for 40 years and get a pension so you can double the TV time. And I know that you're laughing. And I know there's some people like, come on, preacher, quit picking on the TV. But if I walked up to the average person on the street and I recounted that, would I say that that person is truly alive? Even a person on the street who has no hope, who doesn't understand God in any way, would understand that what I just annotated to them is not life. It is slavery. And he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That is not what you were created for, beloved. And you should reject it with all of your heart. Beware. That no one distracts you. You would think if the enemy was coming that he'd just grab you by the throat and force you out. (laughs) That's not the way the enemy works. It's just a little distraction. It's just, a, it's just an hour on Facebook. It's just a little bit of video gaming. It, it's, it's just one movie. It's just a little bit of meditating on the neighbor's wife. It's just a little bit of selfish, self-centered activities. Just to make me, uh, it's just a hobby. distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom. (laughs) Praise God. Did anybody wake up in 2021 like me this morning? Is not the world filled with all kinds of their version of wisdom? It's one mask, it's two masks, it's three masks, it's four. It's vaccine to save your life, but then the people with the vaccine are getting the virus. And then the people that are getting the vaccines are dying from the vaccines. And then now the virus is mutating because people got the virus and it's mutating into something worse. (laughs) It's shut down the mom and pop store downtown Lena where you buy your clothes 
Because that's dangerous, but buying your clothes at the great big box store with thousands of people, that's not dangerous. This is wisdom. Wisdom. Of the world. And I, and I know you guys are giggling and laughing and nodding because you're in the woke crowd. The actual awoke. They're not woke. They're coma. You're actually woke, and they think they're woke. (laughs) They believe that that's wisdom and think you're the fool because you're not going to live in fear. Because you're going to press through and expect to see the power of God in the land of the living. Pretending to be full of wisdom. You know how the Bible calls them out? They're pretending. When they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. (laughs) I know, it's in the Bible. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system. Oh, dear Jesus. And not the anointed truths of the anointed one. And we're the weirdos. For he is the complete fullness of deity, living in human form. This might be a shocking statement to some of you, but there is a human in the Trinity. (laughs) And that human in the Trinity... Represents you. And you can live in Him. And our own completeness. This is shocking because people think that completeness is something that they're going to find with some earthly possession. If I just had that income, then I'd be complete. If I just had that one guy or that one gal, says every teenager, then I would be complete. That would complete me. You know what happens when two broken people get together and make a life together? They have kids and break them. Amen. And now we have a society dedicated to the proposition of breaking our children. The Illinois public school system, for sure, has sworn an oath to Satan to do everything they can to break the hearts and minds of the children that come into their system. And I know that might be offensive to some folks that are in public education. (laughs) But that's just because you're not paying attention. Because it is on the books to destroy these children. And our own completeness is now found in Him. And there's a bunch of people in this room, I know that that statement is offensive because you know what you need. And it ain't Him. (laughs) Phil Collins said, I just need a new drug. 
I'm incomplete without you. How many love songs have that statement in it? Right? If you just had that one human love, that real authentic love, then you'd be complete. And I don't know where your heart and your mind is going in here today, but I promise you that there are people in this room that really the target is something to get in this world. And that would be what completes them. And it would be completely contrary to the good news of Jesus Christ who came to give us His life. And put our life to death. And I know this is offensive, but the cross is offensive. Jesus did not come to make you better. Jesus didn't come to give you an extreme home makeover. Jesus didn't come to paint your barn. He didn't come to shine your... I won't say it. Jesus came to kill you. By representing you. He killed you in the most loving way possible by killing himself for you. And still so many people rush headlong towards their own death. Shocking. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows. (laughs) Overflows. You know what happens when you're complete and you're full of Him and it's overflowing? You know what happens when you come into contact with somebody who's incomplete and broken? What should happen is you leak on them, as Pastor Bob says. But far too often, what some of the folks in the body of Christ, they just give them the lemons they're sucking. It would, it would be a radical, radical concept for people who say that they're in Him to portray Him to the world around them. But we've gotten really good at condemnation and, and judgment and, and self-focus and, and becoming the, the rapture-oriented group of people that are going to hide in our bomb shelters, eat spam, and keep our AR-15s clean. Waiting for the Antichrist to come and get us and stamp 666 on our forehead. Most ridiculous concept that's ever hit the body of Christ. And 90% of them have embraced it. And we wonder why we're not loving our neighbor. With the fullness of him. He is the head of every kingdom and authority. How many? Now, maybe it's just because we're reading the Passion Translation. I know some of you King James only folks are like, hey, hey, hey. That's not what the real Bible says. <laughs> You're right. In the King James, it says, all. <laughs> Anybody know what all means in the Greek? All. He is the head over every. Kingdom 
and authority. Well, he ain't that over my boss. Do you want me to believe you or the Bible? Well, it don't feel like it. Ding, ding, ding. There you go. Guess who is a slave to feelings? Well, it ain't me. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in Illinois. And just at Steve's house. Universe. It's a big place. The devil's got to be in charge somewhere, right? He's got to be. Have you not ever talked to a Christian? Christians will tell you where Satan's in charge all the time. Satan's in charge of their health because they're sick. Satan's in charge of their finances because they're broke. Satan's in charge of their marriage because they hate their spouse. Satan's in charge of their kids. Dear Jesus, have you never talked to a parent? Every child on this planet is controlled by Satan. Even the good ones. God ain't in charge of nothing. Or maybe we don't truly understand and have the right perspective and maybe we are not exercising what truly belongs to us. Maybe. Just saying. For we've been buried with Him into His death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with Him when we believed in God's resurrection power. Anybody in here? Okay, for the five of you that believe in the resurrection power of God, congratulations, you have been raised with Him. But there's something else. You died with Him. I wouldn't do this, but it would be embarrassing. I wouldn't say raise your hand if you died, but it would be embarrassing because I'd get maybe half the room. And the only reason you'd raise your hand is because you just read what I read. But you've actually died. And it's amazing to me for people who have actually died who are still scared to death. The Scriptures say it's appointed for every man once to die and then the judgment. If you have accepted the Lordship and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, for you, you have died and you have been judged. And how many Christians are worried about death and judgment? Well, I'm just wearing masks to be wise. For we've been buried with Him. Why buried? Can't we just just die-die? Just, you know, real quick die and then whoop. Pop back up like a, a daisy, isn't this Easter? Like that that's that would be way more clean and cut. Why why we gotta get buried? Why we have to go into the earth? Our baptism into death. There it is, personified death again. Also means we were raised with him. 
when he, when we believed in God's resurrection power, the power that raised him from death's realm. Now, all of us are amen in that because it's like, go Jesus with your beaten death and stuff. Woo! You the man! Jesus t-shirt! He's my superhero. It says we've been. Am I the only, are we missing something here, maybe? Maybe Jesus didn't want to be your hero. Maybe he didn't want to be on your t-shirt. I'm I'm just speculating here. I I talk to him pretty often. I I don't think that he wanted to be your movie hero, your your sports figure, your mentor. He wanted to give you his life. He just didn't want to be like the cool guy in history that did the thing and the stuff that everybody knows about because everybody knows about it. He didn't do it so he could make all the history books. He was already the Word. Isn't that what Pastor Ryan said? Before, in the beginning, the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God, He was already the the pinnacle of everything ever written before anything was ever written. He didn't want to come and 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 get his name in lights and neon lights and and make everybody hear his name and say, "Woo, he's the coolest." He came and became you. He took everything. That you ever were. All of your filth. And I know you're saying, way easy up, preacher. I'm not filthy. Yeah, that's because you do a good job of hiding it. But there's people in this room. That's what's going on in your mind on a regular basis. Would defile the most pure person. He came to take everything that you ever were. Everything that you've ever done. Everything that's ever been experienced to you. And take it into Himself. And go into the deepest place that He can go. Your hell. Because it had to go there. Because that's where it came from. And someone had to deliver it. And that someone was your Savior. This realm of death describes our former state. It's a great place for an amen. Amen. If not, too late. (laughs) For we were held in sin's grasp. Here's this personification now of sin. It's like death is personified. And sin is personified. And these two are doing a great job. Completely devastating humanity. And it's almost like Jesus took them on face to face. 
This realm of death describes our former state, for we were held in sin's grasp. The death grip. But now. (laughs) I'm at the right church. But now, we've been. You know, I know we're all celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. But there was somebody else that was raised that day. I know you. I wasn't born yet. You were in him before you were in this world. (laughs) That'll mess with you. Don't make it untrue. It'll just mess with you. But now, we've been resurrected out of that realm of death to stop by every once in a while on the highway of life, swing into the oasis, the, the, little, the little break place on I-80 on the way over to Iowa, just, just swing over the world's largest truck stop and get you, get you a little Red Bull of death. Because nobody can just live without ever stopping by for a little death here and there. I mean, everybody's got to get sick, right? No. Well, bunch of crazies? Don't you know we're in a pandemic? No. Everybody's got to experience some poverty and lack. Everybody has to. No. Well, you can't have a good day every day. You've you got to be depressed at least on Mondays. I could have swore it's in the Bible somewhere that says that you have the right to have really bad days and get sick and be broke and, and have terrible things happen to you. Regular. But now we've been resurrected out of that realm. Never. <laughs> you, you know, never is a God word. You know who can say never? Not you. He can. What did he say about this never? Never Never return. You you don't have to look back. You can actually leave all that back there and go that way. For we are forever alive. Forever alive. You are forever alive. It's a God word again. Forever alive. You are forever alive and forgiven of, of ju- the really bad stuff. But you might do the same thing twice. Okay. See, you guys are going to take this grace thing way too far. You're going to think that God like pre-forgave you. And then you're going to be hyper grace or, or whatever. You're, they call us lots of names, or mean you, lot, not me, because I'm not that way. Because I, well, I condemn everybody that comes into my presence and let them know all their sin. It, if I'm forgiven of all sins... then why do I feel like I need to suffer 
for all the stuff. All the time. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. (laughs) That is awesome. If it's true, I mean, it's, just, it's way too good to be true. I mean, every legal violation. I know some of y'all. <laughs> I stand out front. I see you come to church. Some of y'all speed. Some of y'all do U-turns in the middle of the road. Uh, hey, 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 hey. Every legal violation. How, how do you think God can do that? Does this ever, how did he do every sin, every violation? Because he was perfectly, perfectly pure. And so therefore, the perfectly pure dying for the perfectly impure is the only way it would work. But if it does work, you realize it works all the way. There's no, there's no like stopping point. There, there's no boundaries to what was forgiven unless you choose to. And many people choose to. And they choose to hold their, the most loving people in their lives accountable, especially their spouses. Like, I know everything my wife's done. If she was only as holy as me. It's amazing the people that we're supposed to be expressing the most love and grace and mercy for. In intimacy. Tend to be the ones that get the most ugliness. From the people who supposedly know all these truths. He erased it all. Well, he kept a carbon copy in case I act a fool later on. He'll bring that sucker back up and he'll let me know. There's a record somewhere. He can't just get rid of it. It's not even right. He erased it all. Our sins. Our stained soul. You know, people will fight for a broken soul. I've literally had people scream at me because I said, you're supposed to have a prosperous soul. No, our souls aren't going to be redeemed until the very end. Okay, God bless you. Stay broken. What, are you going to argue with them? No, God wants you to be whole. No! Okay, then have fun. Yeah, go on back to your other church. He deleted it all. He deleted it all, and they cannot be retrieved. This is better than some of the left's laptops. This is, this is why our YouTube channel is like, yeah, I don't know if it's going to survive. Did he say laptop? Shut him down, fact checkers. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a, whoa. And I tell you what, you find out some interesting stuff reading the Bible. 
Adam has, everything that was in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. This is something that bothers me oftentimes with the cross. We, we've turned this into basically an idol. Eh, says the guy that has a cross behind him. <laughs> but you, you, there's even some churches you can walk in and Jesus is still on the cross. Oh, dear Jesus. If Jesus would just eventually die at some point, we'd just been hanging there 2,000 years. But we've, we've, we've turned this into some kind of a, a symbol of beauty. Or, or to be cool, we buy the necklaces, we got the shirts with the crosses on it. I'm not condemning anybody that if you got that stuff, but I'm just saying, this is not supposed to be something that gives you warm fuzzies. This is supposed to be something that turns your stomach. This is a place of death. This cross has chunks of flesh, blood, human excrement. That's what happened here. And it was yours. You shouldn't see this. And think about how cool the Cool Kids Club is that you belong to. You should see this and think what it took to turn you into a son of God. Because it took all that. I think this is probably one of the most radical verses in the entire Bible. Verse 15. First I'm going to read it in the Passion, and then I'm going to read it in the King James, and I'm going to do some exegesis, which is a theological term of breaking this down. I'm going to paint a picture. I'm going to evidently, as Paul wrote to the Galatian church, I'm going to evidently crucify Christ in your midst. You're going to smell the rotting flesh. You're going to have the spatter of the blood. Of the striking of the whips get on your face. And you don't want that on you. You're going to hear the cries. You're going to see the birds of prey circling, waiting to pick the bones of the carcasses. You're going to hear the venom and hatred in the demonically inspired people that cried out, Barabbas! Crucify him. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities. How many of them? Of darkness stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. <laughs> well, that sounds like really good news, but it's a little over the top. I mean, you know, the Passion Trust, some of these translations, they throw in some extra stuff, amplifying stuff. and you know, I mean, it just can't be that way. 
in the original Greek. So we'll go back to the King James, the real Bible, the one Jesus used. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. That's more like it. That's more Bible. Tones it down a little bit. So here's what I'm going to do. For those of you that don't know, the King James wasn't the original. There was this thing called Kone Greek that the Bible was written in. And in Kone Greek, there's four words in this verse that I'm going to give you a little bit of development on so you can see what's being said in this verse. The reason I call this one of the most radical verses in the scriptures is because when I get done with this, you're going to realize that what it says is probably not what it says. The first word, having spoiled, is the word apekduomai. And if you know Greek better than me, and you think you can pronounce it better, God bless you. We'll give you a ribbon. (laughs) And nobody knows how to pronounce this stuff because nobody actually speaks Kone Greek. They all just speculate. So, maybe I'm right. And all of the theologians are wrong. (laughs) Epic duomai. This word was only used two times in all of Scripture. And the second time was in the same book. Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, where it says that you should put off your old man. The only two times. Having spoiled... And put off your old man. That the Bible ever used this word. The definition of this word is that it describes a complete spoiling, stripping, or disarming of an enemy. Leaving them naked. Exposed and ashamed. In other words, the enemy was left standing stark naked. Apekduomai was a complete plundering of the enemy's possessions, lands, armor, treasures, trophies, weaponry, subjects, and captives. Nothing was left for the enemy to gather together. Nothing with which he might retaliate. Now, it's starting to get a little bit of momentum And I know you're getting excited, but just wait. That's word one of four. The second Greek word is diagamitizo. Yeah. Thank you for... This is made a show. Made a show in the King James. This is the Greek word used to denote the display of captives, weaponry, and trophies that were seized during war on foreign soil. Every item displayed was exposed to all to view and enjoy. The display was not done in private. It was done in public. Open to all. The display also was designed to commemorate the victor and to humiliate the defeated enemy. It's what Jesus did to someone. Made a show of them openly. Openly is the next Greek word. And that is parousia. 
This is used of an open, blatant, public, performed parade. A parade. Amen. It was a momentous, loud, full-on celebration that was celebrated by both emperor and subjects. By using this word in conjunction with Diego, that other one, Paul probably emphasizes the extent of the public display. So it was like the parade of parades. This was no quiet celebration attended by just a couple of the emperor's closest friends. Oh no, not at all. This was a well-attended affair celebrated by the entire nation of people. The people in the kingdom got to see this parade. That's the third Greek word. And the final Greek word, triumphing. Triumphing. The word triumphing, I, I'm, I'm going to be pretty good on the Greek on this one. Triumbuo. See how they, okay. This is the Greek word that specifically means a triumphal parade. So now we know what kind of parade this was. This wasn't a sad parade. It wasn't a Fourth of July parade. It wasn't a Memorial Day parade. It wasn't a candy parade. It was a triumphant parade. This parade celebrated the returning kings, emperors, or generals' triumph, bringing the conquered enemy, beat, the enemy king, beaten and bound in chains to be paraded before the people. This word is used twice in a row, indicating an exceptionally strong triumphal parade. Again, this was no quiet private celebration. This word was only used twice in all of scriptures. In 2 Corinthians 2.14, it says, Now thanks be unto God who... You all need to read your Bible more. Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Well, I mean, I know that's in the Bible, but it don't happen to me. because I am not always triumphant. I am not having a parade. This life is not a parade, Pastor. Again... We're at that place where you're asking me to believe you or believe this. It's going to get awkward in a minute. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. That's the only other time this word triumph, whatever, is used. Let me... Let me give you the Steve Castle Amplified New Revised International Version of this verse based upon what we just read together. I might write a Bible one day and you guys will buy it. Jesus completely stripped the principalities and powers and left them utterly naked. Then gallantly, maybe I should write a different version. Then gallantly strode into heaven in an exceptionally triumphal parade to celebrate his victory and the defeat of Satan, the devil, that old dragon, the accuser of the brethren, the deceiver, and his forces. As part of his triumphal parade, he publicly exposed and displayed the spoils seized from Satan. Nothing was left to Satan's disposal with which to retaliate. Yet the greatest spectacle of all occurred when the enemy himself and his dark kingdom was open put on display as bound, disgraced, disabled, defeated, humiliated, and stripped bare. 
There is not much historical record of this epic duomai. There is just a little bit of Roman history on this work. What they would do when Rome would come into a nation, they would utterly devastate the nation. The reason the Roman Empire lasted so long and was so influential and covered such a great space is because they did it good. And when they came into a people group, they would utterly and completely destroy that people group. They would take that people group and they would force them to adopt Roman ways. They would put Roman theology in their schools. They would raise the children to understand Roman history. They would raise them. Do you see what's happening in our nation? They would utterly devastate them, humiliate them. And at the end of this great battle, they would take the opposing king or emperor. They would bring all of his former people out and they would line the streets of the capital city. And they would force everybody in that former king's nation to be there and watch what took place. And they would take that king and they would set him in the middle and they would beat him. Until he bled from every part of his body. And then they would take a crown, a mocking crown, sometimes made out of thorns, and they would press it onto his skull to mock him as a defeated enemy at the Romans' hands. And he would stand there in front of all of his people and be humiliated. Then they would strip him naked. And as we all know, standing in front of the masses, completely stripped naked, there's few more things that devastate the soul. And then they would mock him and they would cry out in front of all of his former subjects that worshipped him. And then they would take him, they'd put his hands in the stocks as version of slavery. And while his hands were in the stocks, they would cut off both of his thumbs. Why would they do such torturous things? Because they were going to prove to every person watching that he will never hold a sword again. That he is powerless with the sword. And then they would put his feet into the stocks. While everyone looked and they would cut off his big toes. Why torture this man? He's already defeated. Because they needed everyone to know that he would never be able to run or walk again without a limp. Then they would leave him sit there and bleed onto his former capital street. The blood of his defeat. Then they would pull him out and they would drag him behind the army as they marched a parade through the central city of the former empire of the defeated king. And they would weave through every other city that they needed to so that everybody could see the spoiling and destruction of their former leader. And at the very end, they would ride into the capital city of Rome. And the Romans would be lining the streets and they would be cheering for their victor, the Roman general, who was able to go into the opposing enemy and destroy their enemy after Jesus was publicly humiliated. 
beaten to a bloody pulp, spit on, stripped naked. The psalmist says, you could count all my bones. They beat him so bad that every bone, all 216 bones in the human body were exposed. They humiliated him with a crown of thorns to make sure that his disciples and all those that gathered knew he was completely destroyed and completely humiliated. They put him on the most torturous piece of Roman trophy executions, which was the cross. On the cross, you just didn't die. It, it wasn't just to hang you there until you finally eventually died. It was to asphyxiate you to death. Because the way that the body was hung on the cross forced the lungs into the exhale position. And so the only way that the people being tortured, tortured on purpose on the cross for them to get one more breath was to push against the nails in the hands and the nails in the feet and push themselves up for one more breath and then slump down into the exhale position. The author of the breath of life could not get breath. And yet, with some of those breaths forcing his way through the pain, the excruciating pain of rubbing his raw back up against the splintered cross. Says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And eventually, after fighting for life, the author of life is gripped. By the personification of death. Because every demon and every devil wanted this prize. And they got him. And they drug him through the streets of hell. One day, he was in hell. For all the sins past. One day, he's in hell. For all the sins to come. Being tormented. You think the physical anguish that he suffered for you is the part that connects us to him? No, beloved. It was his soul. It was the torture of his soul. Those of you that have gone through internal hurts, most of you would trade an external pain for some of that internal, throbbing, incessant unending pain because at least the external pain will one day go away. But that internal pain of being humiliated in front of your father and you were perfect, you were innocent, you were the only righteous person to fully live righteous. And this was the end result. His soul for two days, tortured, justly, justly. This was God's justice that had to be 
for you and me. Because if it wasn't just, then it wouldn't cover what we needed covered. And they paraded the Son of God naked in the very arms of death. They paraded Him and drug Him through all the streets of hell. Every demon, every devil, cackling, laughing. Having the time of their lives because death is finally won. Satan struck the first blow on Adam and took his authority. And now the second blow has come. Take out the Son of God and rule the universe. And now they have Him right where they want Him. But then the third day. And from heaven. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, we have the actual words that came from heaven. From the Father. And He says, This is My Son! Today, I have begotten you. Let all the angels worship Him. And don't you know in hell, there was a massive bladder release (laughs) of every demon and every devil as the words of the Father pierced through the darkness and the torture. And there prized captive, their trophy, had the Spirit of God pierce through and fill Him once again. And what was once dark now becomes the light of the world. And what was once defeated now becomes the defeater. And what was once destroyed now becomes the object of destruction over all of hell. And in the middle of hell, our Savior, your Lord, was resurrected from the very grips of death because death could not hold Him. The grave could not keep Him. And the Father, through the Spirit and through the Word, brought life back into His Son who paid the ransom for all of us, and because He's resurrected, you know the ransom has been paid forever for you and for me. And now, there's a new parade. The fully resurrected. Son of God, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, now turns around to his captors, filled with the authority of all of heaven and with all the power of the universe. And don't you know, every knee bowed and every tongue confessed in that place that day on what they seen. And he took his enemy. Your enemy. And he, apectuomai. And he, parousia. 
And he had a parade of their destruction that lasted the rest of that day. There was not enough balloons in heaven. There was not enough guns to fire into the air. There was not enough angels shouting to properly represent what happened that day. When I say affect duo my, there are still demons in hell that quiver because they remember that day. If they would have known what they were doing, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. And that parade went all the way to heaven. And Jesus cleansed the heavenly temple with His own blood and forever made holy the holy of holies and made a place for you and I because He told the disciples, if I go away, I will make a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also. And He cleansed that place after that great parade of that epic duo my. And then he sat down on the right hand of the Father, ever expecting until all of those enemies are made his footstool by his people. The kingdom that he just now had a parade in. I'm going to read what happened to the devil. Just listen. This is what Isaiah 14 said happened. In that day when the Lord Yahweh has given you rest from your pain, trouble, and cruel bondage, you will jeer at the king of Babylon and recite this prayer. You will jeer. You know that devil that all y'all are scared of? That you talk about how bad he messes with your life and steals your health and and all that stuff. and, And you say, Jesus. And you're like, Jesus. You say the devil, whoa. Like Mufasa. <laughs> Don't say that. Don't say devil. Don't say Satan. Shh. He'll hear you. Let me tell you what's going on with him. You will jeer at the king of Babylon and recite this proverb. Your oppressor has been stilled and your onslaught is over. We are in the Great Awakening, beloved. Your onslaught is over. The Lord Yahweh has shattered the staff of the wicked, the brutal rod of the rulers, with their unceasing blows. They used to cruelly, they used it cruelly to strike down nations. They have been. They scheduled, they subdued nations in anger with unrelenting persecution. But now. Anybody? But now, the whole earth rests and is at peace. Well, I'm not at peace. Get there! The Prince of Peace lives in you. Get there! But now the whole earth rests and is at peace. It bursts out with singing. This is Hebrews chapter 4 and Hebrews chapter 5. There yet remains a rest for the people of God. If you would just believe and enter into His rest, you would live in the Sabbath forever. Even the cypresses and the cedars of Lebanon join in rejoicing over your demise. I was on my patio a couple nights ago enjoying the... Pretty. That's coming, praise God. It's coming. The winter's over. It's coming. And I was standing on my patio and I was just soaking it in because the bugs aren't out yet. And it's just like that perfect time. And I looked at the pine trees in my backyard and they all had their hands raised to God. 
And I realize they are way more rejoicing in the finished work of the cross than I was because they stand there 24 hours a day, seven days a week with their arms raised to God and we have denominations that won't even let you raise your hands in church. All of earth groans and travails waiting for the sons of God to manifest what they're called to be. Oh, praise God. I lost my spot. But now the whole earth rests and is at peace. It bursts out with singing. Even the cypresses and the cedars of Lebanon join in rejoicing over your demise, Satan's demise, saying, now that, now that you were laid low, no woodsman comes to cut us down. Since Jesus defeated Satan, it's like nobody comes to get us anymore. What? I'm sorry, I guess I'm done. No woodsman comes to get us anymore, to cut us down. The underworld is all astir in preparation, ready to meet you. (laughs) Don't you know all the people that Satan led and all the demons and all the fallen angels? Don't you know that they're like, uh, you told us we were going to win. Come here. We, We need to have a talk. Come on into my private room. The underworld is all astir in preparation, ready to meet you when you show up. It rouses the spirits of the dead to greet you. There's some people that are not too perturbed about what the enemy has done. Maybe you could be one of them. Maybe some of the people in this room could be a little bit astir over what the enemy's done in your family, in your health, in your finances, in your children, in your grandchildren. Maybe there's some people in this room that are saying, you know what, I think I'd like to go to that parade. And when he comes by, I got something for him. Maybe not. Maybe you guys are way too calm for that, because it's Easter, you got to be pious and stuff. The underworld is all stirred in preparation, ready to meet you when you show up. It rouses the spirits of the dead to greet you. All the former tyrants and despots rise from their thrones. One and all will say to you, look at you. You've become as weak as we are. <laughs> now you're just like us. Defeated. Your pompous pride brought you down to the underworld with your hum of harps. But you will lie in a bed of maggots and a blanket of worms will cover you. (laughs) That's your enemy. That's the one that you're scared of. Look now, you have fallen from your heavenly place. O shining one, Lucifer, son of the dawn, you have been cut down to the ground. You who conquered nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stairs, the stars of God. I will rule on the mountain of the congregation, on the highest place of the sacred mountain. I will rise past the tops of the clouds and rival the most high God. Yet down to the underward you go. And right, and into the depths of the pit. Everyone will stare at you and ponder your fate, saying, Is this the man that shook the earth and made the kingdoms tremble? I was scared of this guy. That guy? I, like all, I'm 40, I was scared 46 years. That guy? The 
the the guy with the no thumbs, the no toes, stripped naked, paraded through. I was scared of him. Well, he he took the name COVID. It's the big C cancer, which is way bigger than the big C Christ. This is the man that shook the earth and made the kingdoms tremble? Is this the man who made the world a desert and overthrew its cities and refused to free his prisoners and let them return home? I I, I was held and captive by this? By this? This is what stopped me from achieving the life that Jesus had for me? I was deceived by this worm? Loser? Not me, because I'm way too smart. I would never be fooled by that. Revelation chapter 1. And I turned to see the voice that spake to me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment, down to the foot, and girt about the cat, paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool. As white as snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. It's my Jesus. And his feet like unto fine brass, as it were burned in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters, like Niagara Falls. And he had in his right hand seven stars. Those are the churches. That's you, in his right hand. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like as the sun shineth in its strength. That's my Jesus. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not! Fear not! Oh, beloved! Oh, beloved! He's placing his hand on you right now. Fear not! Fear not! I am the first and the last. He is your beginning and he is your end. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. If my Jesus has the keys of hell and death, doesn't that mean that my Jesus controls when hell is open and shut and my Jesus controls when death does or does not come? And Jesus came and spoke unto them in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, saying, All power. What does all mean in the Greek? All, all authority is given unto me. <laughs> in heaven and in earth. Anybody know where you're seated right now? And earth. <laughs> if you are born again, you are raised and seated in Christ in heaven, and you still have a physical presence on it. You are concurrently living in two kingdoms. Amen. And Jesus, just to make sure that you wouldn't be too worried, he decided to take all authority in both kingdoms. Amen. All power, all authority, all exousia is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go you. Therefore, and disciple all nations, baptizing them, immersing them 
in the nature, character, honor, essence, and authority of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You need all three. And teach them, disciple them to observe, which means to guard, watch over all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. You know who the I am is? The guy that led the parade. The guy that went to hell and kicked devil tail all over hell. He's going to be with you forever. So when the devil pops up and goes, boo! Jesus pops out and goes, boo! Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I was playing. Playing. Just playing. <laughs> Joke. Ha ha. Just a funny funny. You are, as Pastor Bob said, you are the scariest thing in the room. When the devil sees you come, it is immediate urination. And the sad thing is, is that so many Christians are like, oh, it's the devil. And he's already like, I got a puddle. And he's, (laughs) who's supposed to be scared of who here? (laughs) I just deleted my note. I have to re-preach the whole thing. Mark 16. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. You're part of the parade. Apectuoma. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not, they get to go be part of the other parade. Sucks for them. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall. They're going to do the thing that your, your Savior did in the parade. He gets to let you play with the same victory he had. Hey, you want to kick a demon around? Go ahead. I got to. You, 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 want, to, you want to go cure a disease? Okay. I did. You, you can do what I did. You want to kick demons? You want to open up blind eyes? You want to let deaf ears hear? You, we raised the dead a couple of weeks ago. Mom got healed of cancer a couple of weeks. Like, what, what, what do you want to do? I, I already did all that. And so now you're part of the parade. You get the candy. Your Savior has already earned all this. Not for Him. Don't you know? He was pretty secure. He knew that He was ruling over heaven. But you didn't. You had to see the parade. This was the day the parade started. And then on the third day, on Resurrection Day, the parade got to heaven. And then he's been inviting mankind to come to the parade ever since. So will you come? This is the victory that overcomes the world. And this is even our faith. This parade. This isn't just about getting saved and barely squeaking by and maybe getting into heaven and then showing up to church on Christmas and Easter. This is ruling and reigning the way that he rules and reigns. This is all power, all authority, heaven and earth. This is what he's inviting you into. He's not inviting you into a religion. He's not inviting you into a member of membership of a cool church, even though we are a cool church, but we don't have membership. 
if your rusty butt is in a purple chair, then you're a member. If it ain't, you're severed. <laughs> that sounds legalistic. My legs show up everywhere I go. It's not legalistic. I actually appreciate it. It helps a lot. So when we show up somewhere, you're welcome to come be a part of our body. He didn't invite you into religion. He invited you into a parade, to a victory, to being a son like he's a son, to being loved by his father the way he's loved by his father. That's what he went through all that for. It wasn't just to put on a show. It was so you will always know forever that it is finished. So please rise. much for sharing a few moments with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his precious life-changing word. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of Pastor Steve Castle and Beloved Church, please visit us online at BelovedChurchIllinois.com or call us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are part of the Beloved Family of God and at Beloved Church, this is where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. Beloved. I pray, I desire, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way. As you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you, and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.